Welcome to you wherever you're at, whomever you are with. I'm so very glad that you are here with us for this message. Uh, you're at a great time to join us. We're going to kick off a brand new series today, and uh, it's kind of in honor of uh, that big holiday in February known as Valentine's Day, and uh, but more, much more so uh, prompted by the idea that I think God has some great things he wants to say to us about love. And uh, the title of this series is When the Love Runs Out. And uh, maybe a, a good way to engage uh, with this subject is to ask you a question. Uh, have you ever found yourself uh, in a relationship, in a situation where the love you had wasn't up to the task? You just knew you weren't capable of loving someone the way they needed you to love them at that time. Uh, or maybe uh, there was a time in your life when you felt like uh, you had a greater ability to, uh, to love people, to experience love, and then something happened. You know, maybe you went through a, a messy breakup. Uh, someone let you down. Someone betrayed you. You experienced uh, uh, kind of the dark side of loving, and uh, something broke in you. Something changed. Maybe your capacity uh, to give love, to experience love, maybe it shrunk, and uh, you, came, you became maybe a little more jaded in your heart, perhaps a little more uh, skeptical, uh, not trusting of others. Well, here's good news. You are not alone. In fact, when Jesus was teaching his disciples about uh, their own journey in an experience of his love, loving each other, uh, here's what he said uh, in Matthew's gospel. It's recorded Jesus said, because of the increase of wickedness, and that's uh, people lose their way because people lose touch with the truth of God and his ability to live life well. Because of that, Jesus said, the love of most people will grow cold, uh, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. <laughs> What's he saying? He's saying, you know, uh, people are going to get more and more challenging relationships are going to get more and more complex. And because people uh, kind of drift away uh, from God's intent uh, for how we interact with each other, uh, the love of most people is going to grow cold. It's going to wax over. Uh, people are going to become diminished in their interest and their ability to love others well. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like this. Uh, you ever seen that show where they say, survey says? and uh, kind of peel off the answers. Well, uh, here's what I consider, and many others do as well, uh, some of the reasons, top 10 reasons, why it's hard to love people in our day and age. You ready for this? Here you go. Number 10, people are annoying. <laughs> people get on your nerves. Number nine, people are moody. You never know. Are they going to be up? Are they going to be down? Are they going to be in a complicated mood? Uh, number eight, People are easily offended. You say the wrong thing, do the wrong thing, look the wrong way, and all of a sudden, you're on somebody's bad list. Uh, number seven reason why it's hard uh, sometimes to love people. People are often too needy. They need too much from you. You're not quite ready uh, to give that much uh, to meet the needs of others. Number six, uh, people get a, a, abrasive. People are angry. Sometimes uh, anger is a way of doing life for some people. And truth be told, it's hard to be around someone who's got a short fuse. Uh, number five, people are not trustworthy. 
Maybe you shared some secrets, confidence with someone. They shared it with someone else. They posted it online, and all of a sudden, you know, the tr trust was broken. And number four reason uh, why it's hard to love people, uh, people just get stressed out. And when people are stressed, we have a way of dumping our stress on others. Uh, number three, and these next three kind of take a turn towards uh, today's realities, the soup that we all try to do life in. Uh, number three, uh, social media. It's, uh, it's a fact that with the onset of smartphones and social media, uh, mental illness went up and satisfaction in relationships went down. Number two, here's one I can relate to, Traffic, just sitting in traffic for two hours and navigating other people's uh, bad driving habits it can soak the love out of you. And then uh, finally, the number one, one reason why it's often hard to love people, it's our politicians. <laughs> Let's blame it on our leaders. They don't know how to get along. They certainly don't demonstrate what a life of love looks like, well, uh, according to Jesus, uh, for all those reasons and more, uh, the love of many people uh, will grow cold. You know, their love fire will go out, and that's a problem, especially for followers of Jesus Christ. You know, his central command as he was about to leave this world, demonstrate uh, the, the greatest example of love ever shown to people as he poured out his life for the sins of humanity uh, as he was preparing to go to his cross, pay the ultimate price. He spoke these words to his followers, a new command. I give you love one another as I have loved you. He was about to demonstrate the full extent of that. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. What's he saying? Uh, the number one hallmark of folks who have a living faith in the Son of God and the forgiveness of Jesus, who, who embrace the good news of the gospel, the very number one attribute, according to Jesus, is that they'll have love for people, for one another, and that love will be unique. It won't be the kind of love, you know, uh, uh, this last week, uh, my second son uh, had his second a baby, a little boy, a little guy named Benny. And uh, as we stood there in the hospital room and, and uh, mom handed this little package to me, uh, it was really easy to love Benny in that moment. And, uh, but the reality is people are difficult to love at times. And if our love grows cold, uh, we really drift away from the central teaching that Jesus left his followers. Uh, I love how the apostle Paul brings a group of uh, his friends, back to the central truth. He says, this is my prayer for you, that your love may grow, may abound, may overflow more and more with knowledge and depth of insight. In other words, your love will get better and better. It will increase. It will become unique and exceptional so that you may be able to discern what is best. You know, that's the kind of love that's different than most of us uh, experience day to day. And most of us uh, don't develop the routines of loving others in those ways. And I, I believe that uh, God is inviting us back uh, to an exceptional quality. Uh, listen to how Jesus describes this kind of uh, love that goes the extra mile. 
that is unique, that is noticeable, that stands out uh, from the kind of love that is easy. Here's what he says in his great sermon on the Mount. He says, you've heard that it was said that love your neighbor and hate your enemy. In other words, love those who are <laughs> lovable. Uh, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who, who make life difficult for you, who persecute you, so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. And when we love the unlovable, we're acting like God acts toward us. He goes on. He says, God causes his son to rise on the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. And if you love those who love you, well, what reward is there in that? What virtue are you demonstrating? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? Uh, even people far from God love those who are lovable and love them back. Uh, and he says, uh, if you greet only your own people, what are you doing that's more than others? Do not even unbelievers or pagans do that. Instead, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Well, you know, as we approach this idea, what do we do when our love comes up short? If we're honest and we say, you know what? I don't love people like that. My love isn't abounding more and more with knowledge and all discernment. It's not the central truth of my faith in God and my response to Jesus Christ. What do we do when we honestly admit that's where we're at? Well, I saw a paradigm this week that helps us I kind of embrace big issues like that. And here's the way it was laid out, that when you want to kind of sink your teeth into a big topic like learning to love like Jesus loves us, it's good to ask these three questions. Number one, what is happening here? As we look at this idea, what is happening with the followers of Christ and their response to his great commandment? And number two, what does it mean? You know, what's, what's, why does it matter, uh, our response uh, to this call of Jesus? And then thirdly, this is where really the rubber meets the road. What is God inviting me into? I would hope you would phrase that. What is God inviting me in my response to his truth into? Well, let's tackle them. Uh, number one, what is happening here? And, uh, you know, you could probably come up with your own answer to that. But I would say this. Uh, quick review of the landscape uh, of the nature of the church. Certainly here in America, uh, Christians are giving up on the central teaching of Jesus to love people the way he loves us. Uh, hear that again. I, I believe this is what is happening, uh, not everywhere, but as Jesus said, in many places, most people, uh, Christians are giving up on the central teaching of Jesus to love people to love the unlovable, to love our enemies, to love those we disagree with in the way that he sacrificially loved and valued and poured himself out for us. Well, what's the second question? What does it mean? Well, what it means is that our entire generation is being deprived of a truthful witness to the gospel because we don't love the way Jesus loved us. We don't demonstrate that to people they're not able to see uh, the love of God expressed through the cross of Jesus Christ. And then uh, what is God calling you and I into? And uh, as we end this opening message, 
I want to take you to a, an event that happened in the life of Jesus. And uh, he really, uh, he taught a religious guy the difference between a religious observance and loving people the way God loves us. Uh, this is found in Luke's gospel, chapter 7. Uh, read it along with me. We're told when one of the Pharisees, a guy who adhered to the laws of God, when he invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house, reclined at table. Well, as the story unfolds, there was a woman in that town who lived a sinful life. We're not informed what it was, but it was obviously noticeable. And that she learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house and so she came there and crashed the party. <laughs> she crashed the wedding. And there she came with an alabaster jar of perfume. Uh, who knows how she got in to where the meal was being served. But we're told as she stood behind Jesus at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. She wiped them with her hair. She kissed them and she poured perfume on them. You talk about a public display of affection. Uh, suddenly, this uninvited woman who was the spectacle was the center of everyone's attention at this great feast, not the least of whom was Simon the Pharisee. And uh, when he saw what was taking place, Luke records, uh, when the Pharisee who had invited Jesus saw this, he said he, did, he didn't have the guts to say it out loud, but to himself he muttered, he said, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. And, uh, you know, here's a scary truth. Uh, Jesus answered Simon's thoughts. He was so aware of what was going on with people that uh, he said, Simon, I have something to tell you. You think he had Simon's attention at that point? Uh, tell me, teacher, Simon said. Well, Jesus spins the tale. There were two people who owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50, and neither of them had the money to pay him back. So, uh, being generous and kind, he forgave the debts of both. And then a question for Simon. Now, uh, which of them do you think is going to love this generous guy more, the guy who was forgiven a lot or the one who was forgiven a little? Well, Simon kind of threw clenched teeth replied, I suppose, the one who had the bigger debt, forgiven. And Jesus now gets to the point. You've judged correctly, Jesus said. Then, dramatically, he turned to this woman uh, who had wet his feet with her tears, washed them with her hair, poured perfume on him, kissed his feet. He turned towards that woman uh, whom Simon had judged as a sinner. And he said to Simon, do you see this woman? Well, apparently he he knew she was there, but he didn't really see her the way Jesus did. Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears, and she wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time I entered, she's not stopped kissing my feet, and you did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. And now here's the point, the conclusion. This is why Jesus uh, told the story, why he pointed out to Simon that the behavior of this woman, contrary, contrasted to the behavior of this religious guy. He says, hey, here's the point, therefore I tell you, her many sins 
have been forgiven as was demonstrated by the great love she has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Uh, here's the point that Jesus is making. Uh, you want to overcome coldness of heart? Uh, you want to break through if you've reached a point in your life where your love isn't up to the task. Maybe your love isn't abounding. It's not growing with knowledge and all discernment. You don't have the kind of love that sacrificially pours itself out for the least deserving. You know that's not where you're at, but you'd like to be there. Well, here's the point that Jesus said, our love for people is directly tied to our experience of God's forgiveness. Our love for people is sourced in the great ocean of God's forgiveness. And when, we not, when we're not able to love the unlovable, when it's just not there, it's because we need a fresh experience of God's release from our own imperfections, where God floods our soul with uh, his grace and his goodness. Uh, he concludes this episode, this teaching. Jesus said to this woman, your sins are forgiven. And to the other guests began to say among themselves, who in the world is this who even forgives sins? And Jesus continued speaking to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go now in peace. Well, as we jump in to this series, I want to encourage you, take this opening message as an opportunity to kind of get back to your own experience of the forgiveness that is freely given through Jesus. What are you, what are you uh, held back by today? What are you aware of in your life that's not as it should be? Where do you need to be fixed and mended and grown? Where do you need to become more whole? You know, the beginning of all of that is being released uh, from our flaws and our failures because of the blood and the mercy of Christ. When that begins to sink into us, it changes not only our response to Jesus, it changes our response to people. Once I had a friend, uh, we did uh, work together in youth ministry, and uh, he was always at everything we did, but one week he didn't show up at anything. He kind of disappeared. Back then, when you didn't have cell phones, it was easy to go off the grid, and uh, he was gone for about a week and finally showed up at my house one day. I said, Mike, where were you? Where'd you go? And uh, I'll never forget what he said to me. He said he needed to go and be alone with God, spend some time with Jesus. And uh, here was the quote. He said, where I experienced glorious times of repentance, uh, glorious times of repentance where he turned again and, and found in Jesus the kind of love that we all desperately need uh, to refuel and refurbish uh, our ability to experience love from others, to love people the way Jesus loves us. Would you join me in a prayer? Father, thank you so much that you are a God of love. This is what the writers of the Bible notice first and foremost, that God is love. and In him, there is no dark, no dark thing, no condemning thing. There is only this lavish, sacrificial, giving, generous love. And that really, we choose our own judgment when we refuse to open up and to respond to that gracious love, much like Simon, uh, he chose uh, his religious dedication over a genuine response uh, to the expression of God's love in his very midst. Uh, help us not to miss 
uh, that uh, wonderful uh, gift that you have uh, so lavishly poured into our lives. Uh, God, as we give ourselves to this uh, series uh, on love, I pray that we'd ask the big questions. What is really happening here as we wrestle with what Jesus taught us about the center, centrality of love and the kind of faith that we're living out? Uh, what does it mean? And what does it mean for us? Uh, what changes would you want to bring about in our hearts? I pray that you'd be our teacher and our guide uh, this month of love, this February, in Jesus' name. Amen.